what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Foot Candle Films. Film news and reviews from two guys who really like movies. This episode is brought to you by the Foot Candle Film Society. For a schedule of upcoming screenings and membership information, visit the Society's website at www.footcandle.org. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Foot Candle Films here on the Mesh.tv podcast network. My name is Alan Jackson. Across the table from me is Chris Fry. We are both with the Foot Candle Film Society and the annual Foot Candle Film Festival. Chris, happy holidays to you. Hope you're doing well. Thank you. Yes, I, I am doing well. I've got all of my requisite shopping done, so now I can relax. <laughs> oh, that's good. See, uh, shopping's one thing. Uh, the other thing for me that, I mean, I, I hate looking at it as a chore because it is a very fun chore to have, but is watching the, these films all by the end of the year. Mm. So we've got balloting we've got to deal with. We've got nominations to deal with. Uh, North Carolina Film Critics Association. We have a lot of activities going on that we have to be a part of. So it's a little bit like the shopping. It is actually kind of taken over the shopping for me <laughs> since my kids are all kind of grown. There's sure. still shopping involved, but not quite to the extent it was. It has now been replaced with, here's the stack of movies I have to get through in the next two to three weeks. So, uh, but, uh, but, you know, luckily I, we enjoy watching movies, so I don't see that as too bad of a chore, I guess. Um, but today we're actually going to talk about one of those aforementioned movies that we uh, did need to catch up on and watch before doing any kind of nominations for Best of the Year and try to see if this fell anywhere in that realm of possibility or not. It is the film Maestro, uh, directed by and starring Mr. Bradley Cooper, also Carrie Mulligan starring in this film. Uh, we're going to be discussing that film in depth and giving our review of the film, which is playing in some theaters, but I think it's, you know, Netflix is right now got it um, as the primary way you're going to be able to see it. Uh, and then after the review of Maestro, we'll also talk into you know, talk a little bit about, I think Chris has a recommendation for us of a film that he recommends we might want to check out over the holiday season. And I've got uh, a little bit of a news item or an upcoming film that I'm kind of curious about, like to hear Chris's thoughts on as we explore that and maybe listen to a little bit of the trailer of it as well. So Chris, are you ready to uh, conduct this podcast and get it going? Start the performance. Are we ready? (laughs) Yeah, strike up the band. Here we go. And this is our review and discussion of Maestro. If summer doesn't sing in you, then nothing sings in you. And if nothing sings in you, then you can't make music. Something she told me. Hello, I'm Lenny. Hello, Felicia. Oh, she's so beautiful. Tell me about her. Oh, she's wonderful. She's a lovely girl. What age are we living in? One can be as free as one likes without guilt or confession. (laughs) Please, I know exactly who you are. Maestro is Bradley Cooper's second directorial effort following on the heels of A Star is Born. The film was originally, which tells the kind of life story of Leonard Bernstein and his relationship with his wife um, and their family. Uh, It was originally going to star Bradley Cooper, but one Steven Spielberg was actually going to direct it. And rumor has it, after Spielberg saw an early cut of A Star is Born, he's like, you know what, Bradley? You want to go ahead and direct this too? And Bradley's like, 
Sure. I'm sure that's exactly how the conversation went. And so Spielberg did step aside. He's an executive producer along with Martin Scorsese, but Bradley Cooper got into the director's chair and the, he also helped write the film. It stars Carrie Mulligan as his wife. And then of course, Bradley Cooper as Mr. Leonard Bernstein. Um, so Alan, considering the pedigree of how this film came along, uh, what, what did you make of Mr. Cooper's second directorial effort? Um, yeah, so there, there are films that are so close to being a great film. I feel like this falls in that category and that I, if I were to do a scorecard, okay, if you put together a scorecard and say, here's all the things I'm going to rate this film on, okay. it gets a check or passing or a, even an A in many cases on most all the items with just a couple of glaring exceptions. And those glaring exceptions are just what's holding me back a little bit from saying that I think this is a extraordinary film, but it has all the right elements uh, that I myself personally appreciate in a film. So it's, it's really, really close. I mean, I'm, I'm still giving this a very, I'm giving this a recommendation, but with some caveats because I do feel like there's some things that it really trips up on. Um, I don't know. Should I, should I talk about positive first or should I, should I go ahead and hit the things that don't work? What do you think? Chris, I'm just going to leave it at that. I want to hear your thoughts and then I'll kind of come back and do more ticking off of the things uh, I think that work or don't work for me. How's in keeping, that? In keeping with how I typically, I feel like usually review stuff, I usually mention off the top immediate positives. Yeah. And then if I have negatives, I kind of go into them. But then I always try to wrap it around like end on a positive note. So this being no exception, I'll kind of do the same thing. Um, for me, yeah, Bradley Cooper gives a good performance. Okay. As well, well, let's hit those 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 marks. Okay, you're you're bringing up the acting. I'm going to echo you on that. Yes, Bradley Cooper is awesome in this. Yeah. yeah. So I, I thought he did a good job. You know, yeah. being Leonard Bernstein. Um, Carrie Mulligan, I mentioned, plays his wife Felicia. I thought she also gave a really I good. I thought performance. she was also equally awesome. I think um, what struck stuck out to me with her specifically was. Bradley Cooper has the more dynamic outsized performance as Leonard Bernstein. I mean, Leonard Bernstein was obviously a very dynamic individual, conducted a lot of music, was very passionate about what he did, worked on lots of things at once, you know, just kind of outside personality or outsized personality. And I thought, yeah, Bradley Cooper was able to do that. Carrie Mulligan, she has a lot of her acting is with her face or mm -hmm. with her eyes and looks. Yes, she has some dialogue and some very cutting dialogue at times. And she's a very, like when she's on screen, she has a very good presence. Like she, you know, just your eyes are kind of drawn to her. But a lot of times it's her reacting to what she sees her husband do. Yeah. Um, and I think, so in a way, maybe a little more challenging and that has to be a more subtle performance, but yet it's still very a presence that's, or a performance that's really stands out on screen. Um, you mentioned, you kind of alluded to our end of the year voting that we do for the North Carolina Film Critics Association, how we have lots of movies we have to watch, which is true. Um, but it's a fun task. Um, Carrie Mulligan is one of the nominees for uh, Best Supporting Actress. And I'm glad that she got the nomination from our critics group. And I'll probably give her uh, my vote. Um, okay. I'm not sure yet, still kind of deciding things, but, um, she, she's definitely one of the front runners in the category. Yeah. I think that's how strong, and I wouldn't be surprised to see her in conversations for the Oscars. Um, now, uh, I will say, I guess now kind of trending away towards some of the things that didn't work for me. Well, as well. I tell you what, before you get into the sure. didn't work, let me, let me add on a few more things for me that worked and then 
then we'll both go into our see I want to see if our our concerns or our issues with the film are similar or different so okay um I'm I'm going to go ahead and say I think from a direction standpoint of the film I do feel like Bradley Cooper is a good director I said the same about A Star is Born I remember when we reviewed it I said look there is he is a good director he knows how to make the the people on screen interact with the camera and knows how to make a scene work. It's a, it's a good direction. And I felt the same way with this film as well. I feel like he is a good director and I feel like the film looks really, really, really good. So I'm going to give it high marks on those aspects of it. Uh, that's, I, I did enjoy watching the film from a visual standpoint. I think it was engaging to watch just on the visual side alone. And, uh, and I think, I think, I think Cooper knows how to work with actors. I mean, he's working with himself, you know, on screen half the time, but also working with other actors to get really good performances and really good scenes, um, from, from each of his characters. So I'm good on my positives now. So now why don't you dip into the things that didn't work and I'll see, I'll see how well, they play with mine. I'll start off with directing. Um, I'm not saying he's a terrible director. Um, mm-hmm. I think he is a good director, but, mm-hmm. um, The early scenes, I guess, kind of set my expectations a little too high. Granted, usually you set expectations before you walk in to see a film, and then, you know, that's your downfall. This, I had no expectations going in. Um, And the early scenes were showed kind of a bravado storytelling style where Cooper, through his direction, um, I feel like didn't maintain for the rest of the film. There's an early scene in black and white where he rips open the curtains of a huge window, runs around dodging in a theater in a bathrobe, then utilizes transitions between different rooms to show some flashy overhead camera technique. There's also a scene of Leonard and Felicia up on stage, kind of in a wooing phase with some sailors dancing around, all this kind of like dream sequence type stuff. All that really works. And I was like, wow. This is going to be what we're going to have for this film. And that's amazing. Kind of totally different pacing and type storytelling that you saw in A Star is Born. Um, So I was excited by that. And then unfortunately, that dropped away. And what I got instead, I felt like was a repetitive cycle of Bernstein having success, having an affair, having problems with his wife, and then restart that over again. And it was nothing but that for like two hours. And I got kind of bored and thought it was tedious. Um, I didn't feel like I really, I mean, I knew who Leonard Bernstein was going into the film. I knew he was a composer. I knew he did music. Um, I didn't know a lot about his personal life. So I guess I did learn about, I had no idea that he had affairs and things outside of marriage. I had no idea that he was, I guess, which we would assume is bisexual. Mm-hmm. Um, I had no idea about any of that. So I did learn that, but um, I don't know. I just felt like other than that, and that was established pretty, pretty early on. So I was like, oh, okay, I didn't know that. And then that just keeps repeating, 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 repeating. And so um, I well, found you, myself, and he helped write the script. So I don't know. Yeah. I guess I, the flair that he should as a director early on I was excited for, but then I felt like that just kind of fell away. And then the excitement in the script kind of fell away. Now, granted, I don't know how you make <laughs> marriage struggles. I mean, not that you're supposed to make that dynamic and exciting because that's not something to laud or praise, you know, str- struggles with your marriage. Well, but I don't know. That was You, you mentioned it was a, a, that the, the direction kind of lacked in the latter half. I, I, I kind of disagree with that, but I'm absolutely right with you. My whole issue is the story and the pacing of the story. I thought it was horrible. I thought it was 
so packed with energy and creativity and, and fervor in the first half. And then, yeah, it just went nowhere for the whole latter half of the film. I completely agree with you. But I marked that down to more of the script and the writing and the storytelling. I don't fault the direction on that because I do think even the scenes where there wasn't a lot to do, I've still found it captivating to watch, even though I found the story to be very mundane, mundane and repetitive. Okay. So I'm well, with you on that. I'll, I'll be on the same page. Yeah, let's. Yeah. I'll, I shouldn't fault directing. Fair yeah. point. Um, I, I think the I stuff just, looked yeah. good, but it was given a, not a lot to work with in that latter half of the script. I, I, I agree with that. Yeah, I was captivated by the first part, first third of the film, and thought, yeah, same way. If this is the pace and the style and the tone that we're going to be going through, I'm going to love this. And you're right. It did not maintain that. It did not keep up with that promise. I understand that part of the theory of Leonard Bernstein in general is that he was not just one thing. And that was even a a theme of the film a little bit is that, you know, kind of, am I a conductor? Am I a composer? Am I this person? Am I that person? Am I uh, someone who's a family man with my wife? Am I someone who's not? You know, there's a lot of those questions about it. And I think the film wanted to kind of do the same thing as saying, the film about Leonard Bernstein is not going to be just one type of film. I mean, there's even like three different uh, quote film stocks. I mean, I know it's you know, all production wise. It's all I'm, a motif. I'm, shake, I'm shaking my head. Yes, I see that. And it's all to try to give you that same impression of, Oh, this is not just one thing. This is not just one story about this person. It's a little gimmicky. Um, so a little, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> that, that was a little much, but I still feel like, you know, I don't fault the direction. I still think Bradley Cooper is a very good director. I just think the way that this story was written and paced was, was not good. It, it was not engaging. You should not be losing your viewers as the story kind of goes on with a story like this. You know, you, you build it up so much at the beginning and then it just kind of spins for quite a while. So I completely agree with you. I think we're on the same page. I just fault it as more truly as a script. Uh, script writing issue. Yeah, not I, this. I think that's fair. If I dig down and analyze a little more, um, yeah, I guess, yeah, that's 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 fair. I I would say too that um, the the performances help the film and sustain the film. I mean, if it wasn't for Bradley Cooper's performance as Bernstein, or I think it would suffer a lot more. Um, and I think I, I was just surprised it didn't come away learning a little bit more. I want to go back to what you talked about, like the aspect ratios Mm -hmm. and granted, I think Bradley Cooper is a director there again. I'm not saying he's a terrible director. I'm not saying this is a poorly directed film. I think you made me realize it's more of like the script or the pacing. Um, I feel like grand, this is only a second film, but I feel like instead of kind of developing a style for his own, I feel like he kind of just, was a magpie and went around and took little things from other directors and kind of put that in his film. Now that doesn't make it a bad film. That Mm -hmm. just makes me feel like it's not standing alone enough from works of other directors. When I think of aspect ratios, yeah, tons of people have used that and using black and white versus color. Yeah. Tons of other people. But the fact that it was used in kind of a similar way, trying to like time periods and story or, you know, thread lines or three lines to me, somebody who does it and not that this is the first person who's ever done it, but Wes Anderson using a different aspect ratio in his stories mm-hmm. or using black and white versus color. And he's done it more than once. Um, that's why I think maybe 
when I saw that, I was like, oh, we're, we're doing that, are we? Mm-hmm. And so I kind of rolled my eyes. Not that it was poorly done. It just seemed like I wanted to have a more unique sense of the film. And I also, there again, I guess this is a script thing, not necessarily a direction thing, because it wouldn't be. And it's not a performance thing. It's not mm-hmm. Bradley, the actor's fault. I didn't feel like I really got a sense of his genius as yep. a composer. Yes. They do show him performing and they show him, you know, waving his arms and being very passionate about delivering, you know, a good performance. Yes, I did get to, and I will say, you know, coming around to some positives or a positive, this film, the music, as you would hope, mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought it sound, you know, I saw it in a theater, was fortunate enough to see it in a theater setting, thought this, the music was great. And I thought those scenes, the, the direction of those scenes and the camera work and showing the frenetic nature of the performance and everything. Yes, all of that, all of that great. But it was when the performances weren't going on, I guess it focused a lot on the personal life stuff. And I never got to see kind of like the genius of how he would come yeah. up with things. Well, I, I get that the film, I mean, I think ultimately the film is, is definitely more interested in his personal life than feeling the need to explore his professional career. That was a bit disappointing to me because I'm not extremely familiar with his career. And I think the movie hinges on something very important that we don't get as a viewer. And you, you, you hit on it just a second ago. We're supposed to, to make the rest of the story work, we need to buy into the brilliance of Leonard Bernstein as an artist. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel like the film gives us that. I think the film makes us, it just assumes we know. And I think that's a little bit of a fault because if you're watching this and you're just not really that familiar with him as an artist and, and what he's done in his body of work, then basically the film is like, hey, here's how he got his start. He, he got his first time to get to do a job. And then, oh, by the way, 10 minutes later, he's the biggest thing in the world and everybody loves him and he's great. And it's like, okay, I, if I knew him and if I knew his career really well, that makes, no, that makes perfect sense. I'm fine. I, already, I can fill in the blanks myself. But it's an assumption being made. If the film's desire was to say we're not going to focus in on his career, we're going to focus in on his, his personal life, I'm all for that. And I admire it when they do that with entertainers, but don't make the assumption that I already know why he's so beloved and how he became so famous and popular and all that. There's a lot of assumptions made and a lot of skips made that I felt like would have helped the latter half of the film. If I had already bought into that greatness of him as a, as a, as a, as a conductor, as a musician, does that make sense? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Um, I'll say, since I've been ragging on Mr. Cooper, <laughs> um, I'll say I, th- I do think a strength of the script um, was the fact a lot of times when you make, or a lot of times filmmakers when they make biopics or when the, you make documentaries about somebody, uh, the, you know, either, either way, when you're telling the story of a real life person, it can be awfully tempting to put the person up on a pedestal mm-hmm. and kind of shave off all the rough edges so that everything is just this perfect package, pristine thing. Yeah. And you're like, Oh wow, that person was awesome. There's nothing, you know, they, they're just the greatest person ever. And I feel like this film clearly because of the, I mentioned the affairs and the struggles that he had with his marriage and um, they, they didn't do that. No, he was, was very, yeah. I feel like it was a very honest portrayal. So I think that that's admirable that you don't just, you don't just take the easier because I think the easier path would be to to do that. And he didn't do that. He, 
he showed faults and all. Well, yeah, I I think the easy pass is one of the two ways. You either put the person up on a pedestal and show off all the virtues, or you self-admit that this person is a bad person. And here's exactly here's all the reasons why. No, it's it, it, Bernstein, like most humans, is a much more complicated person than that. It's not a, a pure black or white uh, uh, yes or no thing with him. And I think the film does a great job of balancing that. So again, I admired everything it did on the personal side of him. I, I wish the script had given us a little more to build up the type of awareness and knowledge of, of Bernstein that I feel like we needed to make that latter half work and sing more than it did. And... um the only other, I'm, the only other thing I'm going to observe about this film, Chris, and it is something I feel like I'm sure is 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 happening in most films that are made, especially ones that are contending for awards and trying to get prestige. Okay, I felt like it was a little bit more overt here than I'd like for it to be. Is there just seemed to be a real reliance on here is our Oscar scene. <laughs> And I felt like it was a little overdone in three or four places where I just there. I felt like a scene is either in the script that doesn't really need to be, or not as important as some other aspects of the story need to be. But yet I feel like, okay, well that scene is there because this is now a showcase for this one actor to give this one speech or to have this one silent action moment. And I do feel like it's a little more on the nose that, okay, yeah, this is, this is our showcase piece. This is our clip piece. This is our thing here. And it was just, it was almost playing to the awards a little bit more than I'd like to see a film do. I'm curious, uh, yeah. what scene, you don't have to mention, sure. call them out by name, but are you mentioning a scenes for Bradley Cooper or Carrie Mulligan or both? There's a couple for both. Okay. Yeah. And again, I'm not faulting the actors for this. I mean, sure. I, they're, they're doing a great job. The acting is, I think, really, really strong in this film. But uh, there's a speech, there's a, a monologue that that uh, Bradley Cooper has as Leonard Bernstein outside at a pool. Okay. That I just felt like, okay, it's a long tracking shot going into his face as he's talking. And it's just one of those where it's like, okay, I get what you're doing here. I don't feel like the speech has, I feel like we're kind of repeating things that we've already learned about this character. But yet the speech has to be here because... Boy, this is a good looking shot and it's right on him and he's got a full monologue to do and it's just yeah, perfect clip. Carrie Mulligan, I love throughout this film, and there is a moment in the film or a scene uh you, I'm just gonna say dealing with um uh dealing with an ailment mm. that she has, and she's really, really good, but there are scenes where it's almost going well beyond what we need to see from her from her struggles. Uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm trying uh, I don't know how you, how do you say if there's even spoilers to deal with a film that's a biopic about somebody's life, but right. you know, sure. she's dealing with some physical ailments and pains. And I feel like the camera and the, the direction just wanted to kind of exploit some of that as long as possible. And as much as we could. And again, I feel like it's a little bit of a, Hey, let's show off how good an actress she is in doing these scenes. It's like, hmm. I don't know. Again, I don't fault the actors. I think they did wonderful with it, but I do feel like the film as a whole might have been a little more focused on those big moments to try to, you know, get the kind of award attention you normally try to seek at the end of the year. It's it just seemed a little more obvious. Again, okay. I know every film does it. Every film looks at this and says, 
looks at their their film and says, oh, you know, what but what big scenes are we going to use? What acting bravado are we going to show off in the scene? This movie just seemed to be a little bit more overt about it than than I'd like to see. But um, I can't fault it because you got good actors on the screen delivering some really good uh, lines and, and performances. Yeah, you want to kind of you want to show them off. You want to let people see them, but it just felt a little much. So, yeah. I think overall, I think if you are an appreciator and you know a lot or know more than I did <laughs> about Leonard Bernstein, if you know like the details of his life and everything, I think you enjoy this film more. Yes. Um, I think if you kind of come into it, like I think you did and like I did, um, where we don't know as much, we know he was a composer. You may come away a little like, well, I wish I would have gotten more, more yeah. details, more stuff. Um, I will say one of the details that I did know about Mr. Bernstein and I've, I've mentioned my mind was kind of drifting as the film went on because I was excited by the camera work and everything. Mm. But then, you know, the kind of the repetitive nature of a fair performance, you know, a fair performance over and over kind of lost me a little bit, but mm. um, I started to think of, and we, something I'm about the film again through uh, hair and makeup and costume time progresses. And so mm. you see them, the actors and actors age, and you see the style of clothing change, all that worked. But as it got up to more of a present day, semi-present day, I somehow, you know, I was like, you know, I wonder if they're going to make any reference to the R.E.M. song. Sure enough, mm-hmm. Leonard Bern- the one thing that I remember, like that, I think that was probably one of the first times I ever heard Leonard Bernstein's yeah, name right. was in the, It's the End of the World as We Know It, yeah. song by R.E.M. And it shows him pulling up to <laughs> someplace where he's like going to work on with some musicians. And I think he, the car is actually playing, like he's yeah. listening no, the to car's the song. Playing it, yeah. yeah, so I mean, I thought I was like, oh, okay, that's kind of a, a funny side. Yeah, the funny thing was, I, I was watching this with some other people at my house and they're, and they were all musically inclined. So they all knew Bernstein's life a lot more than I did. Sure. So you're right. This does play better with people who know his career, but that scene totally flew by me. Mm. It really did. It wasn't until after the movie that somebody's like, well, of course, you know, they had to throw the REM song. In the <laughs> I'm like, Oh my God. Right. <laughs> like I think that, I, I think I actually, in the the theater, I think I actually laughed out loud yeah, when I heard right. that. Cause it kind of woke me up a little bit. Yeah. So that's amusing. Yeah. This is a movie, it's, it's, it's unfortunate that it's a lopsided movie and that it has so much promise in the first half. And it, you're right, Chris. I mean, it does spin its wheels and it's, it's just not as interesting in the second half. And I, I do think it's the pacing of the film, the writing, the, the way they wanted to portray the story. They're, I, I don't know. If they could have kept up some of that same visual creativity that they did in the first half and somehow incorporate that into the last half, right. could have been amazing. And if they could have given us just a little bit more about his uh, climb to stardom and his, his it, it, kind of why the, the public started to really appreciate him more. Th- because we see some glimpses of it, but I don't feel like we really ever get a full sense of it. Right. It's a little bit more assumed that we would know that. Those are the things I think they're the faults. I think if they could have pulled that off, we would have had a really, really, really great film out of this. As it is, like I said at the beginning, it's really close to being a great film for me. But man, that the pacing and, and, and the storytelling in the second half just kind of lost me a little bit. Yeah. Same same page. Okay. All right. Same, uh, same page of the score, I All guess right. we could say. Good deal, Will. Good. All right. Well, that is Maestro. It is uh, playing in some theaters, but again, Netflix is where it's going to live and it is available now uh, for people to watch. You know, this is another one, Chris. I will encourage people if there's a chance to see it in a theater, and I know there's not that many, 
I think this is another good one for a big screen. Oh, Definitely yeah. the first half of the film is really good for a big screen. Um, maybe well, not the, as impactful. Just the sound, all the performances. Well, yeah, I think that would make a maybe not difference. as much the second half. It's not as impactful on a big screen, but um, I do encourage that. But I know that's not always going to be easy for everybody to do. So sure. Netflix is available, uh, and uh, we are giving it a is it a tepid recommendation? Sure. Is that a fair <laughs> word to say? Yeah, I mean, probably three stars. For if scale of one to five, yeah, probably three. I'm probably at three and a half. I might be a little bit higher on it than you, but I still feel like a bit of a missed opportunity as a film because it had so many other factors and elements going great for it. So, okay. All right. Well, that was Maestro. Let's uh, take a quick break, Chris. When we come back, I think you have a film to recommend for us, and I've got a uh, news item or an upcoming film I'd like to talk about a little bit. So stay tuned. You're listening to Foot Candle Films here on TheMesh.tv, and we will be right back. This podcast is sponsored by Jackson Creative, a custom communication agency located in downtown Hickory, North Carolina, specializing in online content creation. To learn more, visit thejacksoncreative.com. Jackson Creative, we tell your story. Welcome back to Foot Candle Films here on the Mesh.TV podcast network. We had our review of the Bradley Cooper written, directed, and starred in film Maestro, uh, the first half of the show. But now we're going to turn our attention to some either other movies you can watch, as Chris will kind of regale us with a recommendation in a little bit. But I want to start off, Chris, by talking about something coming up in the future. We like to do this on the show is find projects that sound really interesting that maybe are kind of on the horizon for us now. And uh, we want to spend a little time talking about it. So I have one and I'm, I'm bringing this one up, Chris, because there is a connection to our review of Maestro, which okay. I want to kind of make as well. Uh, I always am surprised. And one of my greatest joys in life is stumbling across a newly released trailer or teaser or finding out about a film. That I had no clue was being made and sounds terribly terribly interesting and also better than has, just sounding terrible right and <laughs> has surprising elements to it either okay. a surprise casting or interesting casting choices or whatever it may be that's that is like that is the holy grail for me is finding those 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 gems so consider me very happy this week when i stumbled across a news item about a film that's going to be released in the spring called spaceman now, chris spaceman a couple connections with maestro one, it is a Netflix film, so okay. it'll be released on Netflix. And two, it also stars a Miss Carrie Mulligan, also from from Maestro that we just talked about. Okay, this film has Carrie Mulligan. It also has Paul Dano, who I think we've—I know you've been a fan of. You like his performance. I have come around on. I was not a big fan of Paul Dano early on, but he has definitely in recent more recent roles worked for me a lot better. Sure, um, but it also has. A Mr. Adam Sandler as the lead okay. in this film. Adam Sandler and Netflix to me throws up a red flag. I yes. like Adam Sandler. I think he's done some good work. You know, I liked him in Uncut Gems, and you know, I, he has but a lot of, when he pairs with Netflix. And I understand <laughs> he does movies that he wants to do that yeah. he thinks are fun, and um, that worries me um, because a lot of times, like 
the most recent one I saw, I think, was Hubie Halloween. <laughs> well, he's so, done that. Not, not he's got the that. murder mystery movies. I yeah. think there was a sequel to that. Yeah, Which I just, saw the first one. I didn't see yeah. the second one. Um, so. But keep in mind, his Netflix partnership has also generated uh, the Meyerowitz stories that he did with uh, Noah Baumbach. Which I liked. Yep. And then uh, I liked the film he did, uh, Hustle, the basketball uh, it was, coaching it was okay. game, which I thought solid. was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. solid. So it's it's a it's a hit or miss, but you're right. I think the general mindset is you hear Adam Sandler and Netflix, you're like, oh, uh-oh, this doesn't sound good. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. Let me just kind of tell you the premise of this film. Sure. Um, so in Spaceman. He's Adam, a spaceman. He is. Yes. Adam Sandler plays an astronaut named Yakub who returned from a lone mission back to Earth. Okay. okay. Um, the synopsis of the film, and this is uh, according to uh, a variety here. Uh, the synopsis of the film reads that six months into a solitary research miss- mission to the edge of the solar system, an astronaut realizes that the marriage he left behind might not be waiting for him when he returns to Earth. So desperate to fix things with his wife, played by Carrie Mulligan, He's helped by a mysterious creature from the beginning of time he finds hiding in the bowels of his ship. Okay. And this creature, I'm guessing, is voiced by Paul Dano, (laughs) works with Sandler's character to make sense of what went wrong before it's too late. Hmm. Now, this film is is an adaptation of a 2017 novel by a Czechoslovakian author. Okay. And, um, Hmm. Neil, once I read that description, I'm like, okay, Couple things strike me right away, Chris. A, never would have imagined Adam Sandler in a sci-fi movie, right? Yeah, he's never done a sci-fi before. Uh, not that I it can is recall. the genre I would find him least equipped to do, but that's also what's made it the most interesting for me reading about this. Two, based on a Czechoslovakian novel, seems to be a lot more going on here than just a. <laughs> this is not uh, grown-ups in space. Okay, this is. Not, I don't think this Thank is goodness. going to be that level of film. And and the fact that he's got Carrie Mulligan and Paul Dano in this thing as well makes me think, okay, I think there's something here. I'm very intrigued at this point. Now, there's a teaser they came out with, but I will tell you, Chris, it is the epitome of a teaser, meaning it tells you nothing. It is. Is I it think, more than just text on screen? Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, that's well good. barely. Okay. Barely. But it's, <laughs> it's the closest. It's the. True tr- teaser. I'm going to play it right now. Okay. It's super short, so you don't need to skip ahead. Just really just kind of give me 20 seconds here and you'll have it. Sure. But uh, this, is, this is the first look teaser at Spaceman. Just like you, I fled my planet through galaxies, through black holes, through time. And then I found you. And that is it. Like I said, the absolute teaserist of teasers. Um, I did notice that it was rated R. Was mm-hmm. that language or? If, um, I, I did not see. Okay. March 1 is when this film is coming out. Yeah, it's for language. Okay. Yeah. So there's not going to be a lot of violence, which I mean, if, if it's just him and a creature, I wouldn't think there could be a lot of a lot of violence. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I'm fascinated by this film. The director of the film, uh, I want to bring that up too, because I do believe it's his first film directing. Oh. Okay. Um, let me verify that for sure here. Hold on. And just to make sure, uh, Oh, where is it directed by, uh, Johan rank. And 
That is someone, yes, I'm sorry, my intern dropped the ball on this. <laughs> I told them I need to have these notes about these people up and ready for me sure. during the show. No, okay, this, not a, necessarily a first-time director, first-time feature film director. Gotcha. He has directed a lot of TV, most notably the uh, TV miniseries Chernobyl. That was oh. on HBO. Okay. That was his. Um, he's also done some episodes of Breaking Bad. Hmm. He's done some episodes of... Um, Several other kind of you know, bloodline, a, a, a series that was on Netflix, I believe, mm-hmm. Halt and Catch Fire, an AMC series. So some high, kind of high caliber television production work he's done. But this appears to be a first uh, feature length film. He's also directed a lot of music videos for David Bowie. He did the Lazarus music video for Bowie. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm very intrigued. Very, very intrigued. I, I think based on the synopsis and... Yeah, I um and the the cast it has all the elements that make me not afraid of a Sandler Netflix project. So yeah, yeah this this is interesting. It could be good. Could be good. All right. Well, that is coming March first to Netflix as well. So you got Maestro out there now. You got a few more months for Spaceman. Uh, good old Netflix keeping me just enough reason to keep my Netflix subscription every month uh, by go. peppering out these films. All right, Chris. Uh, you I believe though have a recommendation of something we can actually watch now instead of waiting for March one. Yes. Uh, especially here in the holiday season, it's good to have some recommendations of things to watch while we have some time. So, uh, what are you going to recommend for us today? So not necessarily a film, um, that is for the family to watch, uh, because it's a, it's a tough story, but it's, it's a really good story. Um, you know, Tayana Taylor is an actress that I'm not overly familiar with. I'd heard her name, but she plays, a mother and she's struggling living on her own terms in New York city in the mid 1990s. So you get a little bit of kind of historical background. You hear Giuliani's name thrown around a couple of times, Michael Bloomberg. So, and you kind of see her over a period of years and she's struggling to raise her six year old son, Terry. He's been in foster care and it's just all these kind of like the whole system working against her. And you see her just struggling and struggling to try to make things work. Um, Tiana Taylor, she's the reason to watch this film. Her performance is just outstanding. Um, I came to realize the film because it was the end of the year rush and some other North Carolina critics kind of threw that out as, hey, this is a performance, a film you should check out just for her performance. And I did. Um, so it is streaming on Amazon Prime. Um, she She's the reason to watch the film. Um, mm. It is kind of a not a grueling watch because it's not like there's a lot of violence and stuff, but just kids – in perilous situations or, you know, family struggling can, can be, can be hard to watch. And it is, you know, two hours or so of that. So that's something to be aware of. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll say, and I was not expecting this and this won't ruin anything. Um, but there is a reveal in the final minutes of the film that I wasn't expecting. I was like, Whoa, do what? <laughs> so mm-hmm. I found it kind of spark. Cause normally in these stories, you don't like struggling stories of people in tough situations there's not something like that, you know? Mm-hmm. And so this one, you know, you think, Oh, I know exactly what I'm getting. It's, you know, a story of a woman struggling with, you know, low income, struggling to try to raise a kid. And you, you kind of think, you know what you're in for. And you do get that for the majority of the film, but there's something that kind of happens in the last, I don't know, five or 10 minutes that kind of recontextualizes some things that you've thought. Hmm. So, um, it's called a thousand and one. And, uh, as I mentioned, it's streaming on Amazon prime and, 
Tiana Taylor, she's she's the reason to definitely check it out. I'm trying to check real quick there again. I think my intern has already uh, left for the holiday break. Yeah. She's been in some other things. Um, she apparently is somehow, I don't know, haven't seen the Beyonce uh, Renaissance mm-hmm. concert film, but apparently she's in that. Um, she was in Coming to America, the sequel the that sequel. Eddie Murphy did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say something that she is in that has not, she was in the remake of White Men Can't Jump, which I'm sure you saw. Um, Mm. (laughs) Something that I am looking forward to her, another performance, it's already, the film's already made, but it's called um, The Book of Clarence. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you know a whole lot about that, but Mm -hmm. she, she's in it and it stars Lakeith Stanfield Mm -hmm. and, um, (laughs) and it's kind of set during biblical times and it's kind of like a, I don't know a whole lot about it, but it's kind of like an alternate take of the life of Brian, the Monty Python movie, which hmm. is a strict comedy. Yeah. But it was kind of like, what if somebody was following in the footsteps of Jesus and trying to like get the same kind of notoriety? I don't know. If you're familiar with the life of Brian, you kind of know roughly the concept. I'm not sure the exact concept of this movie, Book of Clarence, but anyways, she's in that movie. So I think she's kind of a, a star on the rise and based on her work in a thousand and one, which I'm recommending, I think you can see why. Okay. So. All right. A thousand and one recommended by Chris on Amazon prime. You can watch it streaming now there on that service. And then it's rentable. Like all yeah, you can see it places. anywhere else yeah. as well. So yeah. just for a rental price. Okay, sure. great. All right. Well, that wraps us up for today. So Chris's recommendation of a thousand and one, my preview of the film Spaceman coming out in March. And then our review of the Netflix film, uh, Bradley Cooper starring, uh, Carrie Mulligan starring Maestro that we're again, what's the word phrase I use? Tepidly, tepidly. tepid recommendations. Yes. Okay. That's it. That's good. All right, Chris, if anybody's got some feedback, questions, thoughts for us, how can they get a hold of us? You can send an email to info at footcandle.org. You can follow us on Twitter at footcandlefilm, Facebook, footcandlefilm society, Instagram and threads. We're on there as footcandlefilm. And uh, last but not least, we're also on Letterboxd where you can try to, we try to track what we're seeing and leave quick takes. Do us a favor. If you like the show, please write a review, share with your friends on whatever service you get your favorite podcasts on. It'll help us reach new listeners. We would appreciate it. Kind of a small gift you can give to us during the holiday season. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Thanks everybody for listening. We will be back next week with another review and some more movie talk and discussion. Thanks for uh, listening. Hope you're having a great holiday season and uh, we'll talk to you soon. See you in the ticket line. Special thanks to Carpal Tuller for the show theme music. For more about Carpal Tuller, visit www.carpaltuller.com. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. 
Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.